0: Welcome to CareerPod, brought to you by Transition Solutions. Your host for today's episode is our founder and CEO, Mr. Fred Studley. In this episode, Fred talks with Mr. Tom Wilson, a highly regarded total rewards and compensation consultant. They talk about his early career and his early internship slash consulting roles in state government in Tennessee. After graduation, his move to the private sector into financial services and ultimately taking several roles in consulting organizations that focus mostly on human resource consulting and specifically on total rewards and compensation. They talk about his decision to branch from his training and OD early career focus into a focus on compensation an element of the HR field that has evolved into a total rewards architecture. Finally, He chose to start his own consulting company, and they do somewhat of a deep dive on the challenges and rewards of starting your own business and having it be a consulting business. They touch upon the aspects of having to sell and market the organization, the importance of hiring the right people, and how to deal with the swings in revenue and income over the years. It's a really interesting conversation about a specialty area in the HR field compensation, now commonly referred to as total rewards, as well as a deep dive into what it takes to be successful starting your own business, especially where it's a consulting business. We hope you enjoy the episode.
1: Uh, Tom Wilson, welcome to CareerPod.
2: Bye. thank you. It's, it's a pleasure to be with you.
1: Okay. Well, Tom, why don't we, uh, we've got a lot to talk about. You've had a long and, and very fruitful career. Why don't we start in the beginning? Tell us about maybe a little bit about your early life and education and what impact that may have had on your career choices and direction. So
2: I went to college in Dallas, Texas at SMU and then went to graduate school um, right after college at at Vanderbilt, their business school. One of the things that I got involved in in my second year um, was as a Consultant in the state government in Tennessee, but and I was kind of the OD, organization development kind of guy, which I always loved doing. I was always in, interested in that stuff. Um, I have, not long after I graduated, they asked me for a job and I worked there, not, not after I graduated, but while I was still working, when I was still in school. So I went to work for them and did that for a few years. and. Then the state government, as you sometimes happens in governments, um, a new administration comes in and liquidated the job. And so, and I got a job in New York City at, with the Bagger's Trust, and at that job was a training development job. I was uh, asked to set up and run their, basically their management development um, and sort of that that sort of business for about two and a half years or so in New York just got a job with a forum corporation in Boston mm-hmm. and the job with them, they were a training company at that time. They were probably five or $10 million. So relatively small, but they did basically a lot of management training, supervisory training. But the guy who was, who was sort of the RD guy, whose name is George Litwin, Litwin, um, and had been a professor at Harvard and a bunch of other things um, written a book on organizational culture at, or uh, organizational climate rather and was one of the thought leaders in the whole development of that in the beginning. This is now in the but a but a date to it. This is probably the mid the mid to late seventies, early eighties. Um and I started working for him and in a little consulting group that was, you know, basically doing um what now would be termed as uh, as competency development but they were calling it management practices, and that was really interesting to me as a sort of a you know guy who's growing up in this world of organization and development, management development, and all that. The thing about training development, organization development, is very, very um, uh, in, uh, economic dependent. So in, in high boom times, there's a lot of that work that goes on, and in recession times, it all gets cut. Kind of like outplacement, right. only the right. reverse. <laughs> right. So I wanted to. Jo- I wanted to to take because uh, i had plans on like becoming head of hr someplace so i was coming at it from the sort of trained development world but I was actually you know um i realized that that i didn't want to be caught up in that particular those vectors so um you know compensation is a thing that everybody is dissatisfied and yet everybody needs so i thought it's kind of like making shoes you know, they they're the kind of thing that everybody needs them. Right. And no one's really always satisfied with them. And so maybe you can I can learn something here. So I decided to join Hay and um and learn compensation and yet both that office and my own sort of because I was now in my mid twenties, mid late twenties, um, you know, I had some opinions about how things ought sort to of get done. So has that been they said, I want to not just make it, it's not about how much people are paid, but it's about how people are paid. And right. I thought that was a more meaningful, more uh, value-added kind of work. And so, fortunately, I got a lot of you know, people within the hate group who was really interested in that stuff. So you know, so I, I went and I learned compensation from the hate world, which is a little distorted um, <laughs> because of the yeah, way they did things. But
1: If I could just interject it, uh yeah, some of the sure. listeners, uh, kind of a... A teaching point here. A lot of people go into consulting work because of passion and their love right. of that particular body of knowledge. You kind of made a practical decision saying that yeah. uh, given the economic swings, uh, I want something that can fight through the headwinds uh, in mm-hmm. all times. And that would lead mm-hmm. me to looking at this whole. Body of knowledge called you know total compensation and yeah. and some of the related areas. So that that's a yeah, good exactly. takeaway for
2: a lot of people. Uh, it 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 also added some, a dimension to my resume that if I want to become head of HR someplace, that would be good to have. Yeah. You know, I had had training development, then I would have you know compensation. It'd be good in my resume. Look good. And I just didn't have the recruiting part of my business, but you know, I knew a bunch of the other stuff. So I figured it was it was also good for a sort of you know, filling out the dance card a little bit and until after, you know, a few years, I was with Hay for about five years or so. Um, and then they asked me if I would take over the office. And, um, um, so to take over the office was a, was a real, you know, um, step up for me in a lot of ways.
1: If we can just stop there just for a second, let's focus on your role as an individual contributor and Mm -hmm, the role mm -hmm. you like so much we'll talk a little bit about management and all the challenges that come with that yeah Uh, is a general consultant and i guess it's true for pretty much any any subject matter uh what do you think the the main responsibilities are relating to you know developing new business the delivery aspect of it and then you have just basic account management what do you think the the key responsibilities are of that that role of consultant To really
2: listen and understand what the client is dealing with and what the issues, why you were, what why you've been asked into that situation, what they often bring you in for is, and you know this, is obviously not what it is that they really need. Um, But if you listen carefully enough, there's something. There's a context issue. There's a. And so all of a sudden you stumble upon why it is that they really ask you to be there. So the key to me as a as a line consultant, one of the key things to do is to always be listening for what are the issues and why they really help brought you in and something that you, in fact, can solve or help them. You never solve the issue, but to help them address it in some right. way. And so the work you're doing adds value beyond just the task. If you're just by yourself working with a client – you can oftentimes get uh, sucked into their psychosis. And so having a second consultant is always helpful to keep yourself sort of objective and not getting caught up in their client's particular thing and, and to, and, and yet remain objective and yet be very much uh, sensitive and aware to what's going on with them. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's a critical skill to sort of keep being objective and yet be, but, but be very empathetic and really understand what it is that you're trying to do and really trying to help them solve their problem in a very collaborative problem solving, sometimes negotiating. But it also means sometimes playing power and, and not, not being afraid to confront or being afraid to you know, deal with issues or whatever it might be. Um, and dealing with confidentiality and a bunch of those kinds of things are okay. important. That's helpful. Uh, you know, sell, uh-huh. Selling, one of, the, one of the last things, that then, and selling is also really important. See the issue as is not a sales, but it really just as if there's a need here and a and client is talking to me about it, I'm not selling them anything. I'm trying to help them make a decision. And some days it, it makes sense for me to be there. I'm, I know I'm the best one or my firm's the best one to be there. I want to convince them that we are the best ones to solve their situation. They may choose a different decision, which that's their prerogative. But if it's it's not selling, it's really saying, it's not trying to manipulate or anything else. It's really trying to solve their problem and understand and, and really demonstrate that we're the right person, if in fact we are. Right. And so part of that, what you're doing in that selling process is you're also evaluating them. Is this somebody you can work with and, and do it and, and be successful with? You may, you know, I'm sure you have. I've, I've taken jobs where I've kind of held my nose and did the work, and I've quickly get get out of there as quick as I can right. because you, you need the money. On uh, other cases, you really want to be in there because you know you can make a big contribution and make a, you know, value added. And then, you know, you. But the, and the other part of that is that. You're an uncle or you're yeah. an aunt. You're you, you're not part of that family. You need to leave town. So uh, well, eliminating somewhat, a defense. Somewhat related to,
1: to that is mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, you know to be you know kind of cryptic here. What, what do you have you you fired a customer before? And mm-hmm. is a, a individual consultant or a, a person working on their own or a business owner? Mm-hmm. What what characteristics do you, look for that you know it's not going to be a good assignment good engagement
2: and uh what what kind of triggers those thoughts um there are two things that are indicators to me one is my own guts so some there's sometimes that are inside that i just know this is not right um it's a or or you can feel that what they're really doing is trying to manipulate you or to somehow get you to work their agenda And, you know, and, 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 and sometimes that's okay to do that because in fact, they have a legitimate agenda and it's important to be their, uh, confident or their partner in this process. So, so when I, so there's, it's, those are the, I'll call it internal, The, the external stuff is, is they ask more, they are, they negotiate every single dime with you. They, they're, they're willing to, they're willing to, um, um, uh, ask you for anything that expands beyond what you're doing in terms of the scope of the agreement but they're not willing to pay for it and okay. not wanting to even legitimize being paid for it that's another w- a situation where I I say okay fine or you you're caught up in a situation where um they are blasting the you what you're doing they pick the, they nitpick little typos they nitpick color they nitpick format you know, they want to nitpick everything, and I said, I don't, it's not going to be value added. Times at least be there. So, did little, you uh, uh, benefit from a mentor
1: uh, throughout your career as a consultant? Good question.
2: I, I wish I had, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, my mentor has been sort of a, um, a souffle of different ingredients. There have mm. been people I've study with and been with who were older than me that I just observed and thought a lot about and said, what would Dan say? What would so-and-so say? What would George say? Um, but I never really had any, had a, somebody who like took me under their wing that I'm really aware of. Maybe somebody did, but I just, you know, didn't want aware of it. Right. Who really took me under the wing and, and coached me and all this sort of stuff. I wish I had had it. I probably would have been better today. If mm-hmm. I had, I was making it up as I go along and, mm-hmm. um,
1: well, you know, I yeah. think for a lot of people, uh, we do seek out mentors periodically in our yeah. career. Yeah. But yeah. probably most of us, like you, uh, you get inputs. You shadow people yeah. uh, into yeah. a meeting. You observe, yeah. and, and it shapes your behavior more than one overarching mentor. So I think yeah. for yeah. people okay. looking for help, uh, first of all, you have to ask for it in a couple of yeah. different areas and just be diligent about uh, observing. So, yeah, know. yeah, I think that's right. I think that's How right. about in the area uh, of management now? Both mm-hmm. at Hay, you were promoted mm-hmm. into an office management mm-hmm. job, mm-hmm. and then as a small business owner, you obviously mm-hmm. had oversight and management. uh yep. Let's just start with the the type of people you've hired. Uh, what kind of characteristics in consulting uh, do they typically have, in your opinion, or should have?
2: Well, that's okay. Let me think about that. So in terms of the people that I would want to hire, um, first of all, I want them to be really nice people and very much have high levels of integrity and they're friendly, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, that I want to enjoy being with them. I know I'm going to spend a lot of time with them if we're a colleague. Um, and most, which most cases you, you know, I've never been in a situation where I've hired like hundreds of people, but I'm in mean, of people who, who uh, work with them. We travel together. We're, we solve problems together. We work with clients together. I don't, I, I want people to be optimistic. I want people to be positive. I want people to have a can do attitude, um, to deal with it, to don't take when there are issues that are tough or negative or toxic that they can rise above that and not get sucked into it. Not be angry, find ways of not, not, uh, not, neither being. There was a guy who worked for me one time who was very obsequious and drove me crazy. And I gave him all kinds of feedback about, you know, he would like want to clean up the room after we left. You know, I said, don't do that. You know, or <laughs> you want to, he, he was, when the client was getting ready to walk out the door, he'd run to the door and open the door. And I, I said, yeah. Okay. no, yeah, I mean, you got to, you understand the power that you have and you need to, you need to act in a way that is, you know, it's, it's there's a, there's a physicality to yep. the work we do to create the image and relationships and power that you need in a consulting. So I need somebody who's sensitive to that kind of right, stuff. Right. So empathy is important, um, I often like to say, seeing the things that other people don't see, hearing the dog that didn't bark kind of, right, you know, right. that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: Those are all helpful. Uh,
1: Another thing, Tom, I'd point out that Harvard did a study a number of years ago about Mm. the factors that uh, influence a a hiring decision. What are the characteristics of applicants that are most important? And Mm -hmm. number one isn't the most sophisticated, you'd imagine, but it it really does ring true with some of the things you said, and it's likability. If you're Mm -hmm. likable in the process of networking and being interviewed, Uh, you'll likely get hired, and uh, yeah, and yeah. that we hire people like that, even though the applicant number two may have gone to a better college or been mm-hmm. perceived as being smarter. But if they weren't
2: likable, they're not likely to get hired. So it's exactly right, you know. And, and I often say when I'm in a sales situation, and people say, "Why should we hire you?" somewhere in the little quick little dialogue, I often say, "We're like normal people." <laughs> yeah, you know, we 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 are we know we know compensation. We know how to design stuff. You know your organization. We can work with you. You can work with us because we're like we're like you in that sense. Right. And I think that you know, because there are people who, and there are a lot of other firms, who are particularly in the exact comp world, who are you know Mr. and Ms. arrogance and yep. who strut around and like the sort of McKinsey way of doing things or Fred Cook kind of ways of doing things that really, um, are, are demeaning to people and, and off, off putting. And, you know, sometimes people, some people are attracted to people like that because they put their consultant on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. So they want them to act like royalty. Um, others want people they can work with and the kind of companies that we tend to do business with want to work with us. Don't want to put us on pedestals.
1: Okay. How about the area of uh, how you feel about your job? And I put it all together. We'll talk about your business ownership in a minute. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But is the role of consultant, the satisfaction you've alluded to it a little bit, in many of the things mm-hmm. you've said. Uh, mm-hmm. How about the frustration uh, that's connected to a, a consultant? Mm.
2: You realize that um, you're in a you're in a staff role. You're in a recommendee role. You don't have any um power to make it make things happen even though you want to say listen here's what you need to do one two three um they they have no they may or may not accept what you're doing the may, may not, you know whatever so you have you have, don't you, you have no um ability to really make things happen you have to do it strictly by influence and persuasion um the the um, so it's frustrating when you see what ought to happen and they just don't do it, <laughs> and you and you know it's going to screw it up. So it's like watching whatever. And um, the other thing is, um, people who um, don't trust you don't that they think that you're out to exploit them, that they are uh, fearful of you. They they will attack you. In direct and very oftentimes very indirect ways, um, things you say they'll challenge what you're doing, and it's because of something that happened to them twenty years ago you know three two, two times a year I'm just completely overloaded and then the other times two or three times a year I'm like saying so what's going where's my next meal coming from right, um, right. you know and so there is a that a bit of that you know um, feast or famine to the dynamic of this of the stress of that of having You've got to be able to not feel like when you're getting tons of work that you can now go buy that great big house and that great big boat, right? Because the, at the same time, when 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 the trough is there, you know, make sure you have enough to cover yourself for the for the rough times, um, the lean times. Um, but knowing that if you do well, it'll, things coming will will come back, and hmm. um, and 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 that and be able to live with that stress. Is, is to me endemic to this job uh, that yep. you don't have there is no security but you um, can't necessarily get fired as, you, as easily as you can without a company right um you know but you're, you' can still starve to death either way well, well let's let's leave stabbing to death for
1: a minute and <laughs> and how about the transition from a corporate setting to going on your own what were the what was the catalyst obviously many people that might yeah. be listening to this it's always there uh, about going on your right. own. You may have all the content knowledge, all the, the great accolades, but there's a, a real risk associated with you leaving. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we get asked to leave. That's fine. Right. Uh, but how did you manage the risk factor about starting your own business?
2: The thing that you miss a lot is the you know they used to call it water cooler. Now I don't know what, they, what where people concrete coffee pot probably. Um, that where the the sidebar conversations, the hallway conversations, those kinds of things you don't get those in consulting, and you're not you can't just pick somebody up, pick up the phone and call. I mean, you can do some, and so you always do some, but the kind of stuff you do inside a company, the kind of communication, the informal relationships, and all that doesn't happen in, in uh, consulting because you have to be charging them for the time you're spending with them, right. and then and then there's always this negative, you I know, mean, always concerns about all that stuff. So. So there it getting people when you come out of corporate into consulting it's the nature of the relationships that you have with your your used to be your coworkers now it's your clients it's very different, and also uh, as a coworker, you uh, oftentimes don't have uh the power and influence that you deserve and and um sometimes in consulting you have Power and influence that you don't deserve, you know that that you may be. They may put more, um, you know, authority than you really know what you're talking about here. And so, right. so there's a there's a very different mindset shift from a corporate consult, consulting. So somebody has to be really ready yep. to um, to operate through high influence mode. Starting my own business was an interesting deal because what, going too much detail on the thing. I decided I was working for another company at the time, and I just finished writing a book, which is frequently what people do when they write a book they they uh, uh, they start on consulting firms is is my first of several books, but so I wrote a book. McGraw Hill was publishing it, so it was a pretty reputable publisher, anyway. Um, and I realized that I had to, you know, I had the publisher says, "Well, what do you want to have on the on the cover?" I said, "Well, give me a couple of weeks, to figure this one out." And I uh, realizing at the time that that my future was not in that company, but was going to be on my own. And so I said to the folks that were working for me at the time, we were in a small office that I was running actually up here in Boston area, and I and I say, "Okay, we need to sell three hundred thousand dollars in business before we can walk out the door, because we need to have that in or in the backlog that we can now close." leave this one company and then start up these projects so it was a high tense time to get this business but without sold because I want to sell it after I start the business like literally in about two weeks three weeks we had people call me that I haven't talked to in a long time Say we'd like to hire you to do such and such you know and we was like all this stuff and I said okay there's a sign there listen Mm -hmm. to the sign and make a move and so I left the firm in August, called the, c, c, the head of the company at the time and said on Friday, and he said, he said, when do you want to make this effective? I said, I can do it now. He says, okay, fine, done. Okay. And now, and then we start a new business and like say next
1: day. So aside from divine intervention, uh, <laughs> what <laughs> advice would you give a person uh, if the divine intervention looks just like a banker or looks like all the <laughs> right. tuition bills have been paid? What's what do you think is a good time
2: to start a career? Um, uh, as an in independent? The, the, yeah, well, that's a good question. Well, I find that when people hit about forty years old, which is how old I was at the time, there is a desire. You've been in the business for ten or fifteen or twenty years. I mean, how long you've been working, and um, and you know what you you know what you want to do You know what you're doing, and you love what you're doing, and you've got a passion and a vision about what you want to do, and so it's it's got to you've got to feel that level of passion and, and, and a vision of what you want to do and a strategy that says okay to do this i want to here's my business plan and you have that in place and you've got some good friends that you can work from and network and then you build a backlog of business and you can make the leap off the you know the top of the mountain or whatever it is or off the diving board or whatever metaphor yeah. you want and i, and, I think and you know, just have that stuff in place right because then it becomes one of Of diving into it and to say now I'm going to execute on this plan
1: right and I think it's it's wise to for some people to realize that if they have an idea towards going going consulting they can lay all the groundwork and do everything they can do but then they may defer for a year or two right uh, just because not everything is aligned Uh, they've got a one promotion due in their corporate job or they haven't got enough uh, Affirmation uh, from their relationships that they would give them an assignment yeah. or whatever it is. So, yeah, uh, I've got
2: have got a friend of mine who who we were having coffee the other day and he he is he is in marketing. So he was we were talking about what's and he's trying to to gear up his he's been some he left corporate he had a he had a. Uh, a consulting assignment for oh, five, four or four, four, six months, and another one. So it kept him going for maybe about a year. But now those things that he t- developed when he was in corporate have have ended and are are ending. And he's like saying, "Well, what do I do now?" kind of thing. And it yeah. was an interesting discussions about how do you uh, really build business in a situation? Does he go to his friends and say, I really need this job, you know, like sing the chorus line song? Right. Or, um, you know, how do you do And it? So you have lunches with people and they, you know, they know you, they like you, if I hear something, I'll let you know. But then you walk out of there with, and we were talking about, and I said, you know, I have I that problem too. I, I don't know the answer to the question, yeah. but you've got to, if you keep it, you have to, enjoy the process of selling and enjoy the engagement and the discussions you have right. and, 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 and seeking opportunities when people have a problem or have a situation that how to influence, you know, them in a way, direct the conversation in a way that you can, you can make a difference yeah. and you can make a contribution what's doing.
1: And, and some of the words I'd add there would be that, uh, you have to get comfortable with volume. Volume can be uh-huh. a panacea as you go out yeah. and try to develop and sell your product. And then get comfortable with, with rejection. That it, yeah, It's oh, yeah. just a, a no. It's not personal. And it yeah. shouldn't, a lot of people, when they start getting rejected, they'll slow down the volume. But yeah, uh, exactly. it's just a, a time oh, so to right.
2: pick that up. That's when you gear back up. It's up exactly. exactly mm-hmm. right. I kept... I kept track of, of every lead that I've ever came in the door and where it came from, what happened to it and, and what was it about. And I, I mean, I go back 25 years now. Right. And so I can tell you if based on the number of leads we have coming in, in January, what our business is going to be in, mm. you know, June, you know, May and June. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, if there 's a bunch of stuff coming in, I know we're going to be fine. If nothing's coming in, then I got to I need right. to stir things up. And, and to stir things up is always hard, but it's all about you know. You're an expert, at this right? I mean, there's a whole that networking and prospecting, yeah. developing the relationships, and all the various things you got to do on on so many fronts. If you don't love doing that, and you know the corp, then a, a corporate consulting firm may be better for you. Right. Uh, or, but doing it on your own is is tough.
0: It can
1: um, be tough, and and I think and the, the way to look at it is it's just work. You know, it's yeah, not, right. Yeah. Uh, there are natural-born salespeople that love that. Uh, there's a whole group of people that rationalize it, and the rejection is just part of work. And uh, yeah, in and most of the people that will be interviewed uh, that wear a white shirt, occasionally, our jobs mm-hmm. never required us to sweat and mm-hmm. uh, really work. So mm-hmm. you know, I think we can tolerate some rejection how about technology and how has that impacted uh your your organization technology is
2: um is it, really starting to revolutionize a lot of the a lot of obviously hr and and obviously in compensation in, in particular um some of the stuff i don't quite understand um because it's, it's kind of getting a little ahead of me but i do know a couple of things that are really been important one of which is um, the speed by which people want something from you. like so it used to be mail it to me, fax it to me now email it to me, and soon it'll be texted to me or, or some other device, you know. Um, that I'm not the whole social media marketing, how do you get mark? how do you create brand? How do you do all those kinds of things? That's a outside my pay grade. And so but that, I love that and the speed, but other people do that. The other thing that is interesting in the conversation world, because um, it used to be companies would would you know, uh, uh, Towers Watson or somebody would do a survey, and you know, three months later they would publish the survey, um, you know, and people everyone would be in it, and then they pay three months later they pay you, the, you and you do that once a year. Well, you know, Survey. dot com came along and started doing different kinds of reporting their data for people went crazy about that, but what was really clear is in the compensation world is that companies need to have uh, data immediately and access to data immediately, and they're not willing to participate in providing the data <laughs> so so this frustrating dynamic, we do surveys. And you know, we've get some participation, but it's been hard and it's harder and it's get, and the people wanting to participate in these surveys is declining. And so you have to think of some different ways in which you get information that we can then um synthesize and under you know, create and then provide it as useful insights, information back to clients and prospects and okay. whatever. Mm-hmm. So this the the speed of using data and also um um, my son is 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 in as in the analytics world, in the HR analytics and, and business analytics world. That is a, I think, a exciting a career. You, you but you really have to love data. But he is he often says, "I'm not a statistician, but I'm a pattern recognition guy." Okay. And that's that's important because I think you know um, he is he not just he, but there are much people in this world who. Or, or who who intimidated by that uh, field, because they think it's all sort of mit based math, you know, and yet it is at its roots it's also what's really needs it's evolving out of is is you need to be able to provide visually understandable and a, a story that tells people to give people uh, information and in through a storytelling through insights through graphics that allows them then to take action or to see if there's a problem before it becomes, a you know, see a situation before it becomes a problem. And analytics does that. And so we've got a lot more tools available, and it's growing every day. And, right. and I think it's going to be very exciting. I mean, I, I, I'm i so, this is the time in history to be in the HR world. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a full full believer. I mean, there are people who think the HR, you know, is trying to get us to the table. That's, that's so 1980s, you know. Right. Um, People are, are at the table, they're building the table there you know. Um, and and so it's it's a very exciting time to, yeah. to be in this, this field. And well I think I that's just, that's recognized
1: by the rightful focus on, on talent now. And it's uh-huh. not only the attraction but it's the, the engagement and retention. I, I suspect I suspect Google knows pretty much when every employee <laughs> is likely to leave uh yeah. how, how they like their supervisor and what they have for
2: soup every day right so exactly. uh, they're ahead of the way I've a little seen, bit there's a there's a little company that is just forming that is um is to create a platform provide a company a platform so that they can talk so the employees can know what other employees it's, it's sort of a I think it's a, it a blend of Match.com, uh, Tripadvisor, and Evite, because the underlying premise there is that people. We, there's a lot of easy research now that says if you have friends, close to good friends at work, their retention is not a problem. People don't leave companies where they have a lot of friends. Right. And so if you have a place, we have a community. of People really feel that they're being recognized and they're having a sense of being heard. And how technology is reshaping organizations cultures and and the drive that businesses have an ability for them to to be successful well, that's that's very interesting how about lastly we're uh mm-hmm.
1: pretty much at our limit here uh how about luck good luck or bad luck did
2: uh have you had any in your career uh, bad luck or good luck or oh, good luck well yeah it happens every day <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <You know. laughs> um well you know um one time I, I hired a guy and I thought it was gonna be terrific and then over time I realized it was a really bad hire and it got to be a problem and so you know uh, um, and we sort of parted ways but it was a very painful and very expensive you know deal and it ca- caused me to cut back on the business a lot you know because we overextended ourselves hired too much and you know, all, you know got our eyes Got a hit, some people say you know got ahead of your skis or eyes bigger than your stomach or whatever right. metaphor, um, and that's somewhat bad luck. It's also bad decision making and a bunch of you know, and I've learned from that a lot. I tried to anyway, um, but mostly um, you know I feel very uh, appreciative of so many wonderful things I've had come to me in my life, and um, I've I've always I've always tried to maintain a philosophy of what goes around comes around. And right. if I'm good to people, they'll be good to me. Yeah. Am I exploited sometimes? Yeah. You know, I never, I never had non-competes. I never had, you know, deals that made people to stay beyond when they felt they were and Some people like take advantage of us or, or we had, you know, client or presentations where we told, told a lot of, gave people a lot of information, got a lot of stuff that other people would sell and make money on. Yeah. And I go, but you know, uh, life's too short to worry about that kind of stuff. Right. That's... And I would rather, I would rather have the benefit of all I've gotten back for the cost of what I've given away or had taken away from me. And I, when I put those two things together. You know, it's been a great life. I feel like George Bailey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now, Tom, I'm a Mr. tear Mr.
1: is coming to world. my eye about now. And me. So uh, how can I ever ask another question now? We're ending with George Bailey. Uh, <laughs> right. I won't. I'll be ringing the bell uh, any second <laughs> now. Go. So. Yeah, well, the, the angel gets wings. <laughs> well, this has been a pleasure, Tom. And uh, I just want to thank Alfred, you for my your pleasure. time. And a lot of what you've said about the role of a consultant, uh, the, the hard work that goes into it in terms of uh, uh, mm-hmm. the actual content work, uh, the, the kind of integrity that you, you've mm-hmm. built your practices mm-hmm. on throughout the years, uh, and just kind of a, a pragmatic decision making about your career direction as you decide whether you stay inside and if you consult, what type of practice would you uh, engage with. So uh, it's been a pleasure, and I want to just thank you very much for participating.
2: My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks a lot, Tom. Take care now. All right.